It would be a disservice if I were to treat a deacon as a glorified auto server. That's not the role. Mm-hmm. We got plenty of auto servers. Welcome back to the Deacon's Den. I'm Deacon Dave, your proprietor and host, and as always, I'm joined by the co-owner of the Den, Deacon Joe. Happy Easter, Joe. He is risen. Yes, he has. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, good. He's practicing for Pentecost already. His double hallelujah <laughs> will come back then. And you didn't even sing it this time. I didn't time. sing it this oh, time. Good, good. And we all appreciate it. No, you got a good voice. That's no problem. Well, after the last episode, when we had Bishop Noonan in the Den with us, getting his overview of how he sees the role of deacons in the diocese for Orlando, now and in the future, we're taking the next step this month, and I've invited two wonderful priests, men who we are privileged to call friends and pastors of local parishes, into the Deacon's Den today to talk about more of the down and hopefully not too dirty details of what makes a deacon effective in parish ministry. So the Deacon's Den is delighted to welcome Father Miguel Gonzalez, Rector of St. James Cathedral, long distance from here, right across the parking lot from the Den in downtown Orlando, and Father John Brito Antony, pastor of St. John the Evangelist in Vieira. Fathers, thank you both for joining us today. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here with you all. We'll see thank if he, you for having us. Yeah, we're going to see if he says that at the end of the, yeah. uh, the podcast. <laughs> well, I'm, 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 treading, I'm treading very carefully because I've never been in the Deacon's Den before, so this is very impressive. <laughs> well, uh, to get us started this morning, if uh, both of you would be so kind to please introduce yourself to our listening guests by sharing where you were born, where you were ordained, how long you've been a priest, and perhaps some other fascinating fact about yourself that will help uh, Joe and I win future diocesan-wide priest trivia contests. So, so Father Miguel, uh, would, you, would you be so kind as to start us off? I'm Father Miguel Gonzalez. I am priest of the Diocese of Orlando, ordained on May 23rd of 1998. So it's going to be 24 years in a matter of days. Uh, born in San Juan, Puerto Rico. I moved to Florida back in 1979. And it's been a joy to serve both the parishes of uh, St. John Vianney, St. James Cathedral, and also vocations director for the diocese. Perfect. Any additional fascinating fact that you want to share? Boy. This made Bishop nervous. He didn't want people to know too, <laughs> too much about him when we asked. Be careful what you say, because the next thing you're going to get it. <laughs> I, I, get, I get to also have the opportunity of serving as the spiritual advisor for the Diocese and Council of Catholic Women here in the Orlando Diocese and also at the national level. Perfect. And I just heard that your ordination date is the same as Rosie and my wedding anniversary. Whoa! See, that's why we're so linked. No wonder uh, we're connected. I know. That's it. <laughs> All right. Well, perfect. Thank you, Father Miguel. Father John, same question to you. Yes, I'm Father John, and I uh, born in India. I joined the, the Congregation of Holy Cross uh, soon after my eighth grade. Um, from ninth grade on, I was in a you know junior seminary, and, but as a, as a brother, I, I joined the Brothers Society of the Congregation of Holy Cross. I was a brother for 25 years. I did everything that was open to me like a formator and the principal of uh, one of our largest school in India with 4,000 all boys alone, uh, you know, from K through 12. And then I was the provincial of our brothers in India and so on. So all along, there was a tug in my heart to embrace priesthood. So I consulted my superior general and I worked through and uh, finally I chose to join the province of the priest in the U.S with the same congregation of Holy Cross. So I was ordained in 2011. I'm a priest for 
11 years now. I was ordained at the Basilica of Sacred Heart at the uh, University of Notre Dame campus, and I've been here yet to St. John's for the last 10 years. Well, welcome, and uh, I was thinking about the the Holy Notre Dame, of course, because I know all of my Holy Cross friends, that's where mm-hmm. most of them have been ordained. Uh, I oh, lived yeah. in Colorado Springs, just down the hill from your novitiate out the there. Novitiate, yes. Exactly, so wow. I have a long history with Holy Cross. Where in uh, India were you born, Father? I was in South India, a state called Tamil Nadu, uh, in, a, in a town called Salem. I, I was just born about 10 kilometers away from where the brothers ran the school. Ah, so that's that's how they hooked village. you. That's yeah, how they hooked yeah. you. Well, perfect. As I said at the top of the podcast in our last episode, Bishop Noonan gave us the top-level view of the current and future role of the deacons. Uh, but now we want to take the topic to the next level of the lived experience of our priests who are working with deacons in pastoral ministry. And I'm really hoping that our discussion today may lead to an even better understanding of our shared ministry to the people of God, uh, not only for priests and deacons, but for the lay faithful as well. How do we all work together? Well, I was planning to make this a toss-up question for whoever wanted to answer first, but uh, Father John is dialing in remotely today. His uh, his pastoral ministries is, is keeping him in the parish. So I can't see the glint in his eye or who is leaning closer to the mic. So let me start with a short toss of this question to the preceding with us in the corner booth today in the Deacon Stem, Father Miguel. So here goes, Father. Throughout your priestly ministry, I imagine you've worked with a diversity of deacons, uh, some whose ministries were a great blessing to you, and some who might have been less so. Uh, so when you think about he, he looked around the room, but I was afraid he was going to look at Deacon Joe and I. Um, so, but, but when you think about those who were a blessing to you in your parish ministry, what were a couple of the key characteristics they possessed that made them memorable, memorable in a positive way, of course? And I'm going to tell you, way before being a priest, growing up in the church in, in Florida was the introduction of uh, of a discovery of the diaconate of, of the deacons in Puerto Rico, as a child, I never in in the parish that I was at met a deacon. It happened in Florida, mm. and so I've grown up in parishes where there has always been a deacon, and and I think that those deacons that I had the blessing of connecting with as a teenager, then later on uh, as an adult, and then as a as a priest. Now the blessing that I always take with me is their presence in the community. Their presence as a support not only to the priests, but of the people of God that we get to journey with. And, and I think that there's a great sense of, of comfort as a priest to know that I have someone uh, at my side that is there to support me in that effort of remaining connected with the people. So it really is, uh, when you say present, you're really talking about that connection, that bridge to, Com- to the lay life? Is completely. There's a beautiful bridge that connects us. The deacons along with their wives also, that's another blessing that help and really strengthen that that connectivity with the people of God at the parish level. Fantastic. Uh, I, I say fantastic because that reinforces what we teach in yeah. formation. So I feel so much better already. I, I do. I, I don't feel like I'm missing the mark. Uh, Fa- Father John, I'm yes. going to kick it out um, to you. What would you say? Great. Yes, I came from India, as I said, and I didn't have the exposure to the deacons because they don't have permanent deacons there. All that we knew were transitional deacons on the before their priesthood. Uh, but well, when I came here to the U.S., and especially here in Florida, I was so amazed to see 
so many number of deacons. I think the deacons outnumber the priests in the diocese as a whole. So our parish has been blessed with a number of deacons who have served us and who have moved on to the Lord now, unfortunately. Uh, but uh, yes, as Father Miguel said, it's the availability, their presence that makes uh, this ministry, this vocation, a very special and memorable one. They're, 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 they are the kind of bridges that we can count on, depend on, because an element to us that we do not have as married persons, like the priest uh, will have not much exposure to what's happening in the parish, in, the, in their family, so uh, deacons present their input, their availability, their readiness to um, jump in at any uh, required moment is what uh, makes them a memorable presence in our community. So, Father John, I'm going to let you uh, continue on that theme a little bit here uh, by segueing into the next question. You know, it's been our experience that the key to effective parish ministry for the deacon is a good partnership with his pastor. And you, and you both have already commented on the availability and the presence, but I'd like to see if we can get a little more specific. Absolutely. Uh, when we're talking about partnership, what do you believe makes a deacon an effective partner in your parish? And, and perhaps what gets in the way, too, but, but primarily what makes, you know, for all the deacons listening out there, they want to be better partners with you. So this is your chance to uh, influence them and mold them. <laughs> Absolutely. A great question there. Yes. What makes their presence more valuable is the fact that, as Father Miguel said, they are with us standing by our side. So availability to the pastor primarily, to the parish as a whole, and the readiness to take on anything that comes up. You know, day to day, it's, it's so crazy. Nothing is predictable anymore. So many things happened last weekend. I was on the edge. I did not know what to do, how to prepare for this uh, onslaught of, you know, uh, protesters coming on. So I had called one of our deacons. He said, I will be there. So it's readiness to jump in whenever required, whatever is needed. Availability is the most important uh, fact in this, and openness to serve the, uh, all facets of uh, parish life, and the, the serve with joy. You know, the primary responsibility of a deacon is to serve, and serve with uh, you know with joy, in humility, and uh, mostly uh, available to the pastor. And uh, vibing with the pastor is a key thing. Uh, going with the vision of the pastor, otherwise uh, the life is going to be hard for both of them, for the pastor and the deacon. We do not want to have a deacon that will be a burden, rather a very good associate who can just stand by him and support him in his endeavor to serve the parishioners. So I would see a friendly, approachable, a person who is available and deeply involved in the community and uh, enthusiastic in what he does. That will make him a bright, shining star there. You know, as you were talking, the word that kept coming to mind is agenda. And mm -hmm. and not having, not as a deacon coming in with your own agenda that you're trying to uh, employ and influence, mm -hmm. but rather your call to service, if you want to say your agenda, it does not come from you. It comes from the needs of the community in partnership with, with the pastor who's entrusted with being the shepherd of the souls uh, in his canonical boundaries. So uh, does, that, does that resonate? I think I'm, I'm hearing you affirm that thought. Yes, 
yeah that, that's exactly what i would when when the agenda was one of my <laughs> point i will talk about that maybe oh, okay <laughs> okay when, uh, i got I, I can hardly wait <laughs> so I, I i like the way you said that, that, that openness to serve but also an openness to embrace the pastor's vision Right. For the community. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Father Miguel, you want to uh, take it from here? The only way this is going to work, precisely, is the, the support in connecting with the vision that the pastor has. And, and then, obviously, with the gifts that that deacon has been blessed with, be able to uh, help enhance that vision by their own gifts that they bring to the table. Uh, it would be a disservice if I were to treat a deacon as a glorified altar server. That's mm-hmm. not the role. Mm-hmm. We got plenty of altar mm-hmm. servers, and and, and, mm-hmm. and they're there to help us and assist us. But but the role of the deacon definitely for me has has a great respect, and definitely a, a value of the gifts that they bring to help us bring the community together and align with the vision that the pastor has to offer or that wants to see for the good of the community. So for for me, uh, in my relationship with deacons, uh, the opportunity to consult, the opportunity to also bring concerns and feedback from them as well is beneficial. It's helpful. It's nurturing. Also challenges me at at the same time. So I think that's the beauty of of building that relationship with the deacon. We're not strangers in this wonderful field of of the Lord, but the fact that because we have those opportunities to interact, to discuss, to ask, to consult, uh, brings a beauty about the ministry and the beautiful um, gifts that we have brought together for the good of of God's people. I had this beautiful vision of ships passing in the night and we meet on the altar. Yeah. It's it's well beyond that. Absolutely. Okay, as a former mariner, though, I have to remind you that ships who pass in the night must have at least one nautical mile of clearance. So, uh, no, no. Um, that's why. Know. That's why we lessen the incense at some time, so that we can see each other. <laughs> yes, no, no need for a lighthouse on, in the sanctuary. You know, two things struck me on the comments as I was listening to you, Father Miguel. That was the first time there was even a slight reference to liturgy when you said we don't need glorified altar servers. So we've spoken the first 10, 12 minutes here, and it's all been about this relationship in ministry beyond just what goes on in church. I think that's an incredibly important point, not to minimize liturgy. Liturgy is the source and summit, but we're not looking for glorified altar boys. The second thing that struck me, Father John, and I'm, I would expect it from you, but I was also happy to hear it from you. You talked about serving with joy and enthusiasm. And, yep. and I think Absolutely. that was so important as well. Okay. We know not all deacons are necessarily blessing you in every aspect of their ministry. I know I probably have not always blessed my pastors and priests in every aspect of my <laughs> ministry as well. So, and you're both positive men, but now I need you to go to the dark side of the force just for a couple of minutes. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> it didn't take him long, did it? <laughs> Push this button. <laughs> well, okay. So now we go I back. I am your father. Right. <laughs> There it is. There it is. Yes, the dark father. Literally. <laughs> is, is in the house. That's right. Oh, my gosh. Uh, okay, I knew I knew we wouldn't stay with it very long here. We've totally lost it. But So when a, when a deacon has been less of a joy to work with, what behaviors have existed that you would have liked to have seen changed? And I'll leave this as a toss-up question to see who wants to go to the dark side first. Well, since I opened my mouth... <laughs> 
I'm gonna head. I'm gonna go. Ahead. I'm just simply gonna say this: when we have Lone Rangers, those are the moments of disappointment. Those are the moments of of duress and and trial. And it has happened every now and then. It, it, you know, it's it's part of human life. But I I think that that is the big challenge. How do we break that model? Because again, unfortunately, the vision then is gonna be tainted. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be able to follow or, or, or lead or accompany the people mm-hmm. on that journey when you have your own, and, and it was mentioned just before, your own agenda, and this is mm-hmm. my way or the highway, and this is what I'm going to do, and forget what the pastor has to say or think about it. No, no. It, it, it's, it's part of that dialogue and that communication. And I am I am someone that, in my style of, of leadership, I'm more of a macro-manager more than a micro-manager. I trust, I give, and I'll give you the ball, dribble, make the basket. So make sure you're going in the right direction. <laughs> Hit the right basket. <laughs> Hit the right basket. Don't 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 take a, another no, route. No you know? own goals here. No. Yeah. yeah. So to me, that that's the one thing. It's just the, the the Lone Ranger mentality is the one that would actually be detrimental to the efforts that we as a community want to be able to uh, present. Okay. Father John, what, yes. what from your perspective? I, um, I was going to talk to you about the agenda. Yes, <laughs> uh, we've been largely blessed with good deacons who come with dedication, committing to serve, wanting to help the pastors. I mean, there have been times when, you know, this was not 100% there. Uh, there were some um, deacons who um, posed a lot of problems to the priest then um, help. So in that sense, I, I would just like to see in the deacons less of their own self-agenda, more of, you know, touching base with the the pastors. Communication is key element here. Communicate with your pastor. Come and ask him, what do you want me to do? How can I serve you? How can I help you so that our parish can be best served? And, you know, some of them um, are grumpy and arrogant at times. I've heard stories of uh, deacons fighting with the pastors, you know, who would hold the bowl or cup and they, they would fight, you know, I should be serving the bowl and not the cup and so on. So there are so many um, um, bad things uh, that make our experience very, very sad and not very positive. You know, Pope John Paul, I mean, Pope Francis said once very beautifully when addressing this topic of deacons in 2019, 25th September, uh, his catechesis, he said, Deacon, um, deacons were created for service. Deacons are not second-class priests. Deacon is not for the altar, but for service. The deacon is charged with service in the church. When a deacon likes to go to the altar too often, mm-hmm. he's mistaken. This is not his path. So um, there are instances, you know, some of the deacons like to just show up for the liturgies and be present on the altar and then disappear. Uh, availability is key. If you're not available, if you're only there to take care of your agenda, I think you're not serving the parish um, as best as you should. So um, elegance and uh, joy in serving um, are the key characteristics. Availability, uh, communication with the pastors. If, if, if those are missing and if you come with your own agenda and you show up only when you have something to do and other times, uh, you don't show up at all. That's when the people mm-hmm. notice that. Who is this guy who shows up and never seen at other important events in the parish? So those will be some of the 
sites. No, no, I, and I totally agree with you because sometimes even even when we are putting an effort in something, but then uh, if the brother deacon has a plan that has not discussed it with the pastor, and it happens to be very much similar to what you want to present or project as a parish, then we have now a conflict of, of, of events that are so similar. Now our energies are being just in to a way, in a way, wasted or it's a division. Yeah, it's a, a it's division a that's division. happening. Just, just tell me what you're doing, and believe me, I'll, I'll be your biggest cheerleader. I'll, I'll, I'll back you up, but let me know what you're doing, and that way we don't duplicate our efforts, and and be able to then support and and really walk with you. Uh, but I think that the father is is just so right about those moments in which sometimes that could be. Um, more of attention than anything else. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I heard two words, uh, new words, and I was the next question was going to ask you for additional qualities that you you appreciate in deacons. And I heard communication, which I think is mm-hmm. key. And I know with my pastors, that's been key. Our ability to communicate with trust with one another. You talked about uh, consultation earlier, Father Miguel, and that becomes, I think, an important part of our relationship. Uh, the other word I, I loved when you said, Father John, was elegance in service. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it paints a picture for me. I don't know if I view it the same way you do, but there is, when, when something is elegant, whether it's in liturgy or outside of liturgy, it's smooth, it's graceful. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, is, it is artistic in that it accomplishes that for which it was created. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that was a beautiful word. Any additional qualities that either of the two of you, like you said, if I could, if I was um, not Darth Vader, but Dr. Frankenstein and could build the perfect deacon, <laughs> what would you look to to imbue in that deacon? If, if you were the formator, if you were molding uh, a new deacon, what would you look to really embed? You want to take that one, Father, or do you want me to... Uh... You go ahead, Father. Okay. Well, for me, thank you. Uh, for me, I think that not only the relationship with the pastor is so important, is the deacon getting to know the staff, journeying with yeah. the staff, of, of getting to know what each staff member has been assigned to in terms of their job description, in terms of the way they're executing their ministry, so that the, the deacon also is interested and also conveying the willingness to be a collaborator. How can I support you in enhancing that ministry? How can I, as a deacon, be present uh, if, if you need me or, or, or if a way I can contribute? I think that's a very good uh, gift and another wonderful opportunity of making the presence felt of that deacon in that parish. And also, obviously, uh, getting to know the people. Allow yourself to be known by interacting, by connecting with the many families that will only see you on that Sunday gathering. Uh, and how you be able to also step out of the comfort zone of the altar and really immerse yourself, even if it's over coffee and donuts or whatever yeah. that may be, but to be present. Have we brought that back yet? Oh, yes, <laughs> I have. We have. <laughs> yes. Most precious blood. Yep. Yes. It's it interesting. As, as I was an advisor for the Admiral when I was in the Navy, and he said, the first thing I want you to do, Petty Officer Gassman, is I want you to get to know the crew, first and foremost. Mm-hmm. That's how we build community. That's it. That's it. Father John? Yeah. Um, getting along with the same line, you know, I, I have great admiration for these guys. You know, they are married men with a family. Their time is split between family and children and uh, careers and then, of course, the parish. But then 
some of them are very good at that. They really are devoted men who want to serve with joy. So one of the the dark sides of that is if they come with their own agenda, if they don't communicate, if they uh, show up only when when it is convenient to them and not to the pastor or the parish, and that's when the trouble starts. So availability be being seen not only at the altar but being available to the community when there are important things happening in the parish. That will be a great way to uh, integrate themselves with the parish and uh, um, get to know, get to be known by the people that we have someone here that we can count on, we can go to him uh, for counseling and support and so on. So key things are availability, communication, be on the same page with the pastor. Uh, so there, there, there has to be some tweaking to do, of course, if you have a, a concern can always talk it to the pastor and and do it in a very charitable way uh, not to show things you know publicly where the staff see pastor and deacon arguing and all that it has sadly happened in some places so um, so those are the things i would look for you know one of the things i liked um, that you added father miguel to the conversation was the relationship and partnership with staff and a reminder to deacons that we are partners with staff um, just uh, through the virtue of ordination, we don't become their boss and get to tell them what to do. That they have been, you know, they have been trusted by the pastor with specific responsibilities to minister, to guide, to lead in the parish. And for us to be partners with, I think, is a key thing. And I believe that that also helps in the manner in which the staff also appreciates and welcomes the deacon. Yeah. Because that's also an, another area in which the pastor also needs to ensure that the staff don't see the deacon as the, the enemy or the, right. uh, you know, that, that they are part of the team, that they are part of, you know, of, of our staff. They may be working in their own jobs during the weekday and all that, but the fact is that they're still connected with us. They're still committed to serving us, that they're part of the team. And so opportunities in which, as a pastor, be able to open uh, opportunities for a, a day of reflection in which the entire staff, including the deacons, are present. Right. That we can pray together, that we can interact together with a lunch or a dinner. But again, th- that, that whole familiarity, that is so important. That is a, a big component uh, for me is, 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 is definitely uh, key. Now make sure you invite your deacons and their wives to your staff parties. That's, you, you know. Um, so, so I, I'm, you both have mentioned uh, in the last couple of minutes the fact that deacons do have the mutual responsibilities of family, children, careers. There's been a trend in many dioceses, and in particular here uh, in the Diocese of Orlando, to encourage diaconal vocations in younger men, those who are still raising families and active in their careers. I just want to know, I have my opinions, but what is your opinion (laughs) of this trend, and what benefits or issues do you see from this direction? My opinion is the following. A vocation... It's a call that comes from God. <laughs> so the age for me is not is not a, an issue. For me, is the quality of that of that call and how serious you're you know embracing that call, uh, and that to me is what's key. And and for me, if if we have younger men, uh, younger men that are willing to really embrace that that call and the support of their wives in, in that process, praise God because I think also they have gifts that can help us connect also with young adults and younger families because of their own experiences as well. So I I find that to be a blessing. So to me, that's not a deterrent. 
Excellent. Father John, do you concur well, or do you have the opposing opinion? I concur, <laughs> yes, but I have a concern, like okay. uh, mm-hmm. if they are doing and if they have to care for their family and children, uh, they're being torn between all these forces, uh, career, parish, and uh, family. Uh, finding a good balance between all these will be a key thing that they have to discern uh, while they commit themselves to this uh, task. It's just not as uh, Father Miguel said, just not to be a glorified altar server, but to be of um, uh, being able to understand what they are entering into. It's a commitment. It's a service. It's a, it's not a paid position, and uh, therefore a lot of challenges are there. If they are able, well-rounded uh, characters who can balance all this, this will be a huge blessing for the church to have endo people. But finding that balance will be a challenge. And of, of course, finding that balance a lot has to do with the formation and the guiding of the spiritual direction and also what the formators also will be able to provide. Knowing that these are younger men that are coming in, the experience that the formation team will bring to them hopefully will help them in, in that process of, of, of awareness of having a proper balance and always recognizing their their sacred role as as, as part of the of the domestic church uh, in the family right. in the home but definitely i think that with the proper guidance and not only in their formation years but post ordination that they're mm-hmm. not alone again that they're accompanied and supported in in that effort uh, of of making sure that they are happy balanced lives that are, you know, developing as a servant, but also without neglecting their major responsibility in the home, in the home, in the house. You know, I was so pleased, Father Miguel, when you talked about it's a vocation, and therefore when the call comes, the call comes, and it's how we respond. As someone who was a younger vocation, kids were still small, it was not something that I could put off until retirement because that's not when God was calling me. But to Father John's point, the, the trick of balance, and yeah. uh, you know, we talk about that all the time with the guys, um, which leads us beautifully, because you both mentioned the word formation in the last few minutes. So the last, <laughs> so the last topic I wanted to, to cover, it, it's almost like you're reading a script. I don't, I don't get it. Um, is that uh, regarding the formation of permanent deacons, recognizing many deacons you may have worked with have been formed in, in different dioceses or in, in different decades, and a lot of evolution has taken place. And here in the Diocese of Orlando, we continually, I mean, there's been a major evolution of formation in the past 10 years or so, and we continue to evolve and tweak. But from your experience, if I were to ask you as a pastor, what would you like to see more of done in formation for our deacons? What perhaps would you say do less of? You don't need that. Or should we do differently? I'm I'm looking for feedback all the time. So are there advice that you could give us from a pastor's perspective? I have just one candidate from our parish right now, so I'm not too familiar with what has happened in the past, but I know now that uh, formation has been revamped so much, it looks like, you know, on par with the priestly formation or even more. Um, So it's it's a good thing, but at times I'm just caught up with the fact that when we need that candidate very much available in the parish 
uh, he's not available for us because he's caught up in the formation program. A uh, lot is expected of them. I just have a great admiration for them. Uh, Father Miguel, over to you. Yeah, and, and it's a conversation that we've had off air uh, with the two of you before. Um, as a pastor, I don't want to be the, the obstacle that might prevent an opportunity of growth for the de- for the deacon candidate, um, and uh, and also to trump the efforts that come from the formators. So I, I think opportunities in which we can continue to strengthen that relationship between the pastor of that individual that's being formed with the office of the permanent deaconate, so that way we are aware of of the journey uh, of the programs of of the things that at when they come to work or serve at the parish that we're aware of so that we can definitely support the efforts in, in, in that formation and in that support of the uh, of the individual. Um, I, I think it's very important for, for us as pastors also to, to know exactly what is expected of us in, in that service mm. because we, we want to help them succeed. And so we want to be, you know, well aware of, of the program and maybe opportunities for those pastors that may have never had a deacon before in their lives also to know what that relationship is like. Just like when we have newly ordained priests, that they have their gathering and also they talk about the dynamics between the living in a parish, you know, rectory situation with the pastor and that whole dynamic of communication as a community. I think that the deacons also being part of our community um, pastors need to be more uh, supportive by more uh, interaction with what's happening in the formation program, basically, is what I'm trying to say. No, oh, excellent. And I, I certainly see the benefits on both of uh, I've, I'm taking notes. I'm taking notes. That's the key. So um, we're, we're moving. Father, to, he is taking notes. I'm, yeah. I'm just going to let you know. I, I'm watching. And, and this time I'm actually going to put the point out on the pen. No. Um, so um, this has been a great conversation today, and we need to move towards a wrap-up here. But Deacon Joe, um, you know, you know, we always enjoy getting feedback from our priests, our yes. pastors especially. Um and it can really be a guide for us uh, in how we continue to form men and, and even for us as deacons. So are there things that jumped out at you from listening to the two, uh, two pastors today, Father Miguel and Father John, that, that you're really holding deep in your heart that you want to act on? Yeah, I think one, one of the things that really struck me is that I like to use the word relationship. I mean, we, 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 from day one that they show up, it's all about relationship with especially their pastor. You know, the guys that are asking for applications. We first question: Have you talked to your pastor? <laughs> because <laughs> yeah, that yeah, is absolutely. that is so key. And mm-hmm. and you know, to Father John's point, we ask a lot of them. We try to create a formation program that will mimic the same kind of dynamics that they're going to have with with when they get ordained. Should they get ordained? which always includes relationship. Are you available? Are you open to the pastor's vision? Are you, are you a real presence in the community? Does your staff know them? Mm. I, I think that's critical. You've got to know the entire team. You've got to have relationship with the entire team. And I, I think those are just huge opportunities. And yes, it's going to be a challenge. They know it's a challenge. And we've gotten better at saying, well, maybe you need to step back recalibrate and get your life back in order and then come back and re-engage. Because if it truly is a calling, we shouldn't be telling them, I'm sorry, you have young children. Why don't you wait until you retire and then this will be your second job? 
that, that's mm. that's not a call right right <laughs> I mean, yeah. So it's, it, it's just that beautiful being presence, being joyful, being part part of the community. That That's the key. And I, again, I think that vocation is a call. Obviously, not only God calling, but it, God calls us also through the people. Yes. So if the people in the parish don't know who you are, mm-hmm. right. I mean, they're the ones that also will see these beautiful gifts that you have been blessed with that help you discern this call to yeah. the academic because it's a call from, from, from the church, from the people and, of God. And so, so that you you have a candidate, now we're asking, the USCCB has really asked us to better communicate with the pastors to say this is where they're at in their formation. Yeah, I expect new forms, by the way, this year, courtesy of the USCCB, <laughs> that will give you a more complete evaluation. It's something we're, uh, we're demoing this year, so you asked for it, you got it. Um, but I think there's a lot more we can do there, and I'd love to talk offline on ways to deepen that relationship with pastors um, mm-hmm. to, to get by some of the limitations we faced before and, and do it effectively for you. Um, well, Father John and Father Miguel, we truly appreciate the time you took to join us in the den today. Uh, we know how busy the life of our pastors are in serving the many needs of your communities and the diocese. And we do consider you, we don't always express it, but we do consider you a true gift, um, even when we give you a hard time. We can <laughs> consider you both a true gift to be able, uh, and especially today, to be able to share your time and have this conversation with the two of you. We're so thankful not only for your ministry, but for who you are as true sacramental signs to the world today of God's mercy and love. So um, we, on behalf of both Deacon Joe and I, yes. tr- we truly want to thank you both for being with us today. Deacon Dave, just I have one more thing to say. Um, I'm sorry, your time is... No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just want to reassure that I don't forget that I, I am a deacon. I was ordained a deacon. A deacon. That, that uh, realization that I am called to be a deacon at the service, you know, uh, imitating Jesus the servant is not only meant for the deacons, it's also for the priests and the bishops. If you forget that, I think uh, our service to the church will be um, something else. So I always remember that we are called to serve, serve with joy. I have great admiration for the deacons who have so much to offer to the church and our parish, and uh, uh, they come from so much uh, enriched background. We admire them, appreciate them, so much so that we now have instituted a clergy day where we invite the deacons and their wives to come and have a little time together with the pastors and the parochial administrator, um, the associate. And so that's that's a great uh, way to show our appreciation to them. Many times we may not be able to do that. We don't do that sufficiently enough, but this is the moment to tell them that we greatly admire and appreciate all that they do. And along with them, don't forget their wives. Because of their wives, they are able to do what they do. So uh, it's a big salute to their wives and to their family for letting our deacons serve with joy. Thank you. Father, I echo your words uh, because if there is no respect and admiration for what they're doing and what they're willing to give and offer the church, I mean, it would be fruitless. So definitely 
that admiration, that respect, that appreciation for their willingness to to definitely step in, in into the war zone, as we call it, you know, uh, into the yeah. fields. Uh, definitely, uh, I, I, I rejoice. I rejoice when, when I get to interact with deacons. I rejoice when I get to serve with deacons. Um, because, again, there's just a beautiful role that they play in the life of the church, and we thank God for their presence in our church. And I thank you both for inviting us to be part of this Deacon's Den. Uh, it's not as intimidating as I thought it was going to be when I stepped into the den. I feel very secure and very loved and very, very, very uh, supported. So thank God for the two of you. And uh, I, I guess there's a safe way to get out of the den. Yes. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah, it's like an escape room. Right? Good luck. Um, no, we, thank we, you, Deacon we, Dave and, and Joe. For and, we, you do. and we appreciate your appreciation. And, and we'll pick up the tap. Right, exactly. There you go. So what's next on the menu at the Deacon's Den? Today, as we record this episode, we are exactly one month from the next ordination of permanent deacons for the Diocese of Orlando. Eighteen men will be ordained, making it the largest ordination ever celebrated in our diocese. So we look forward to inviting a few of those newly ordained and their wives, that's always a fun episode, uh, into the den to reflect on that momentous day. Sadly, we've reached closing time of the den, but I'm glad you dropped by. Come back in when you hunger for hearty discussions on the diaconate and Catholic conversation. Until we meet again, I pray you walk closely with God on life's journey, and when you feel the urge to visit the Deacon's Den, remember, there's always a corner booth reserved just for you. Mm-hmm.